All right, let's begin reading, please, in verse number one of Isaiah chapter number 44. Yet now here, as you're reading your scriptures, notice the many references you're going to find to the importance of hearing. Uh, those of us getting a few miles on us, we're either wearing hearing aids or need to wear hearing aids or too bullheaded to wear hearing aids, which is, is my case. Uh, but uh, God wants us to be listening. God wants us to hear. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse number 1, the Word of God says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. So God says, Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. In the 40s chapters of the book of Isaiah, you'll find a number of times God says, Fear not. He never says, there's nothing to be afraid of. Amen. He never says we're not going to face troublesome times. Uh, I used to sing a quartet some. I was saying bass. We used to sing a song, Troublesome Times Are Near, Filling Men's Hearts With Fear, Freedom We Are. How many of you remember that old song? Any? Well, I could have said anything then. And, and, <laughs> and y'all had to go along with it. No, but, you know, we're, we're facing troublesome times, and there are fearful things there, but God says, fear not. He doesn't say there's nothing to be afraid of. He just says, fear not. One of the fondest memories I have with my dad growing up there in Houston, he'd take me with him to the wrecking yards, when, even when I was little, and we'd uh, go to get parts and fixing up some old car or something he's working on, and uh, all of those places always had two or three big dogs chained up just to keep thieves off the place. And my dad knew where the dogs were. My dad knew the length of the chains, and he knew the, the limitations. And so my dad always said, walk right with me, and you'll be all right. And so I walked right with my dad. And I can remember one time I was walking right with him and I heard that chain rattling, looked up, here come a big old German police dog running across the top of a car. And I, I said to myself, well, he's gonna get me today. But he ran to the end of his chain. It just jerked him backwards and my dad knew where, the, where to go. We walk with the Lord. We have walked through fearful times, but he's got everything taken care of. We don't have to be afraid of it, all right? All right, thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, verse 2, which will help thee, fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offering, and they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob, and another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the last, and I, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. 
And who as I shall call and shall declare it and set in order for me since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. Can we understand that this morning? God's got all these things appointed and lined up. He's in control. Amen. It may look like the world and the devil and everything else is in control, but God is in control. Verse 8. Again he says, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time? And have I declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Uh, we sang a bit ago about learning to trust the Lord. It's, it's a living process. It's a progressive relationship we have with God. That song, that great hymn, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. It's a very comforting song, but to me it's a very convicting song. The last words of the, of the chorus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. I don't know anyone that in here or in the church that I pastor either. I don't know any of our folks that would question the power of God or question the sovereignty of God or question the knowledge of God. And God, we believe, is all-powerful, has all authority, and is in control and has all wisdom. Then what's the major malfunction in my trusting him? See? Sometimes I think I trust that Ford pickup truck I drive more than I trust the Lord. I get in it, don't think about anything, turn the key and off I go. Well, we need to trust the Lord and live for him. Uh, for, for time's sake, let, let's look over to verse number 13. The carpenter stretcheth out his rule. He marketh it out with a line. He filleth it with planes and marketh it out with a compass and maketh it after the figure of man according to the beauty of a man that it may remain in, his, in the house. He hoeth down cedars and taketh the cypress and the oak which he strengtheneth for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash and the rain doth nourish it. Then shall it be for a man to burn for he will take thereof and warm himself. Yea, he kindleth it and baketh bread Yea, he maketh a god and worshipeth it, and he maketh a graven image and falleth down thereunto. You see what happened to the children of Israel. God is God. He's proven himself to be God. Next thing you know, they've got a bunch of idols built up. All right? Let's look down to verse number 18. They have not known nor understood, for he hath shut their eyes, that they cannot see in their hearts, that they cannot understand, and none considereth his heart. Neither is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned part of it in the fire. Yea, also I have baked bread upon the coals thereof. I have roasted flesh and eaten it, and shall make the residue thereof an abomination. Shall I fall down to the stock of a tree? He feedeth on ashes and deceiveth Deceived, a deceived heart hath turned him aside that he cannot deliver his soul nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? Remember these. That'll be the title of our message this morning. We're gonna go down through Isaiah chapter 44. If we go elsewhere, we'll be back in Isaiah 44. So keep your finger there. 
The Word of God commands me and the Word of God commands you this morning, remember these. Uh, we just came, I didn't preach this message in, in our church, but uh, I, my mind right now is just going to, to last Sunday. We, in our church, we celebrated Memorial Day and, and we remember those, those folks that have given up their lives for, for our, our liberty. I tried to encourage our church, we need to remember, you know, Veterans Day, we, we recognize all the veterans and, and we appreciate them. And then uh, Memorial Day, we remember those that have paid the ultimate sacrifice. I hope you read this. I, I saw it and I thought it was amazing. Uh, Veterans Day, we, we recognize and we honor those who have hung up their uniform on Memorial Day we remember and honor those that got killed in their uniform. But there's, there's another group we need to be remembering too. This is not an Isaiah 44. This is just extra. All right. But we need to remember those that have gone off to conflict and come back just critically and mortally wounded, but they didn't die. They've been blown to smithereens or burned and, 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 and they're their entire lives and their entire families are, are wounded as well. We need to remember those folks. But God wants us to remember some things. He tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 1, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. And then he goes down through in that chapter talking about all the ailments that we face as, as we get old. And we have young people here, and, and they're not facing any of this, but I just tell you, keep going. Keep living because it's running up your back in high gear, and it'll be here before you're ready for it, all right? But I'll tell you something. God wants us to remember. He reprimands the children of Israel. They have forgotten him days without end. How can we forget God? How can we forget the workings of God? But he says, remember these things. The idea of remembering here, he says in, in, in uh, Psalm 119, verse number 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We remember the word of God. I've had people ask me over the years, uh, I've been preaching going on 46 years now, and... Uh, I've had people ask me, how do you quote so much scripture? How, how do you remember all the, all the scriptures? Uh, and for the longest time, I tell them, I, I don't know. I don't have any idea. I've just read it a lot and studied it a lot over the years. And, and uh, I guess God has hidden it in my heart and in my mind. And, and when I need it, here it comes as I preach, but I was reading the Gospel of John again the other day, and, and the Gospel of John chapter 15 tells us that the Holy Spirit is going to bring all things to our remembrance. What we have, so when we're filled with the Spirit of God and we're yielded to the Spirit of God, He'll help us remember. He'll bring things to our memory that we didn't even study. And I've, I've had myself more than a few times get into a situation that I, I did not have any formula or plan made for that opportunity to witness or, or even preach. And man, 
The Lord gives you everything that, that you need. You can read it in the, in the prophets. And the word of the Lord came to Hosea. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And the word of the Lord came to Amos. And when I need it, the word of the Lord comes to Chuck. And, and here I go. Uh, when we were up in Ohio, I was an associate pastor there. And we went down into Tennessee to see my younger sister. And uh, I, I went to their church that night. And it, my brother-in-law was working uh, third shift, and he hadn't had any sleep. And he, he was supposed to lead the congregational singing that night at the First Baptist Church in Winchester, Tennessee. So he asked me if I'd do it for him. I said, I'll, I'll be glad to. I, I can go up there and lead the singing. And so I went up there and got a hymn book, and I started preparing, getting some songs out and that. Then one of the men came to me and said, our pastor got sick this afternoon. We've got nobody to preach for us tonight. Can you preach for us? I had absolutely not five minutes to prepare anything. I said, yeah, I can preach to you. And I'm telling you, folks, if you'll remember the word of God, he'll give it to you when you need it. All right? He'll give it to you. He'll bring it to your memory. First of all this morning, and, and I'm going to preach fast and you listen fast. God told us in Proverbs chapter 3, My son, forget not my law. Or, haven't we done that today in this country we're living in? The law of the Lord, the Bible said, is perfect, converting the soul. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. That's why I always read the scriptures when I go make hospital visits. Especially when someone's facing a surgery and they're terrified and they're scared. The statutes of the Lord rejoice the heart. The angel of the Lord encampeth around it. You see, this is a living book. It's alive, and it has the power of God. Remember that God formed us. Isaiah 44, please. Verse number 2. There's numbers of scriptures that talk about this. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. We need to remember that God formed us. We did not evolve. We did not get here by accident. Uh, we didn't crawl out from under a rock. God formed us for his own purpose. The Revelation chapter 4 verse number 11, the word of God says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Over these years I've dealt with young people, and, and they're, they're searching for their purpose. That, that I don't know what I'm, what, what's my purpose for being here? Why am I even alive? Why, what is my business here? To honor and glorify God. Amen. So he formed us. Isaiah 43 verse number 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob. He that formed thee, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Isn't that a great thing to belong to God? In the Song of Solomon he says, My beloved is mine and I am his. When my wife, Diane, and I first married, I, I got a, a job at Red Air Freight Lines working on the freight dock and driving a truck locally there in Dallas. And then later on, she got a job in the office typing up the, the bills and the paperwork. 
for, for the, the freight company. And, and I came in from the route I was driving in, into the break room. And, and one of the fellows said to me, he said, hey, preacher, have you seen that new girl in the office? And I said, which one's that? They said, that real tall girl with the dark hair. Man. They said, preacher, have you seen her? I just let them talk, you know. And they're going on a little bit. Man, preacher, she's good looking. Have you seen her? And they're just going on. I let them go a little bit. Then I held up my hand. I said, see that ring right there? I said, that girl you talking about is mine. <laughs> preacher, why didn't you tell us? I said, I just did. <laughs> All right. And boy, I was proud. I was honored. She's mine. Going on 46 years, she's still mine. She hadn't kicked me out yet. But uh, the Lord says of us, I've formed thee. I've created thee. Thou art mine. Let me remind you, we need to remember that. Amen. God created us. We, he had a purpose. He, he created us intentionally. Deliver, he didn't just start shaking up a bunch of stuff and us fall out. He created us. He formed, that word formed, he with his hands, you read in Genesis, with his hands he created Adam and Eve. It's God that formed us. It's God that created us. Isaiah 44, look at verse number three. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offering. And look at verse five. And one shall say, I am the Lord's. And another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. Look at verse six. For thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first. We need to remember the promises of God. What was the problem with the disciples sometime? They'd forget what God said. Remember he told them, that, you know, you, you're familiar with the story of Jesus walking on the water. And, and he, he says to Peter, Peter says, if, if you be the Christ, let me come to you. I want to walk on the water. That's the problem with our humanity sometimes. We don't want to walk on the water, but we don't want to follow Christ. You see, we, we want the glory and the prestige. All right? But another place, the water was, the ocean was terrible, terrible, troubled. And Jesus is asleep. And they wake him up. Hey, what's going on here? Don't you care that we perish? Well, what did he say? He said, get in the boat, get in the ship, and go to the other side. He didn't say, we're going to make one stop at the bottom. They forgot his promises. God said, fear thou not. Isaiah 41, verse 10, I love this. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will help thee. I'll strengthen thee. I'll uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. In my years of adolescence, my older brother came home from the Marine Corps. And I had got mixed up in a little bit of a ruckus with some fellas, and they said they were going to call some other fellas, and they were going to jump up on me, and they were going to give me a, a bad licking and all of this. And my older brother, just home from the Marine Corps, when I had hair, it was red. And so my brother called me Red, and he said, All right, Red. When, and I didn't have any cell phones in those days or anything, but my brother says, they get after you, you call me, and I'll be there quick, and I'll take care of them. 
Boy, my chest bowed out. I was big and bad now because I had a brother right out of the Marine Corps going to come rescue me and that it hit me one day. What am I going to do while I'm waiting for him to get there? <laughs> my point this morning is God doesn't have to travel to rescue you. I don't have to wait for God. Well, all right, come on, you, you might want to get in high gear here, Lord. I, you know, getting, water's getting kind of deep, uh, blah, blah, blah. No, the, the word of God tells us, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as if we need to remember the promises of God. He said, I will, I will, I will. In, in the great commission in the New Testament, Matthew 28, verse two, how many of you are a little bit fearful when you witness? Now understand you can work lying in any sermon in a Baptist church, all right? Y'all all understand that. We're fearful about witnessing, about talking to other people. I don't know why we are, but we are. But we should not be because the promise of God is, Lo, I'm with you always, even in the end of the world. Not only is he coming back for us, he's never left us. He said, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake Why not? Why won't God forsake us? because he forsook his son in the crucifixion for our sin. God abandoned his son to the wrath of God and he died for our sin. We need to remember God's promises. He said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You see, God's, we need to remember God's promises. Look at verse six of Isaiah 44. Thus saith the Lord, you get that folks? We need to remember what God says. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, thy and his Redeemer. We need to remember what God says. We need to remember who God is. He's the King. The question is asking the New Testament, who is the King of glory? Well, God is. He's the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Remember this, God did not become King. He didn't win some battle uh, of, of king on the hill. Any of you men ever played that when you were younger? King on the mountain or any of that? You had to jerk everybody else off and you were the last one standing. So for a little while, you were the king on the mountain, all right? Or growing up in Houston, the ground was so flat for any hills that got hauled in. But we had the neighbors hauled in some big old mounds of dirt, dump truck loads of dirt. So we was out there playing king on the mountain, closest thing we had to a mountain. But God did not win a bunch of victories and become God. He's always been God. He's always going to be God. He's always going to be the king. And there is none else. There is none else. Thus saith the Lord, the king of Israel and his redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first. And I am the last. And beside me there is no God. We need to remember the solitariness and the supremacy of God. Look just across the page, please, to Isaiah 45. A couple of verses in Isaiah 45 and a couple in Isaiah 46. Isaiah 45, please, look at verse number 5. I am the Lord. You'll never find in your Bible God saying, I wish I was the Lord. I've heard preachers at invitation time tell people, come make Jesus Lord of your life. How are you going to do that? I didn't make him God. I didn't make him the Savior. How am I going to make him the Lord? 
He is the Lord. He's always been the Lord. He's always going to be the Lord. And, and if I'm not living in submission to lordship, I'm living in rebellion. My, my ear's not sore. I just wanted you to say amen a little bit louder right there. He's the Lord. He's the king. I need to remember who God is. Hey, this is God's world. I'm a guest on this world. I'm a visitor. He's allowing me to live down here for a while. See, I, I, I was talking to, to Brother Keegan. Uh, uh, you know, he wanted to know if I had somebody that could come fill in. I said, well, I'll, I'll let them preach for me and I'll come fill in. And he said, that's better yet. And he said, I'll, I'll work it out. You can, you can stay with Rhonda and Linda. And so I contacted them and and Miss Linda always says, oh, you're like family to us. Just come on, you know. But uh, uh, that situation may change. I may, I may go bad or I may get sick and not be able to come. Or they may not get sick or have a house full of company and, and have no room for me or whatever. But what I'm trying to say to you is God's never going to change. God's never going to the strongest man I've ever known physically, I mean, physically strong that I've ever known personally was my dad. He wasn't big, he, he, he wasn't an athlete. Uh, as a young man, he was a blacksmith in, in Ponca City, Oklahoma. And, uh, but I, I've, I've just seen him do things physically that just most men just cannot do. It frustrated him sometimes as I was growing up and very young in life, I was larger than my dad, very early. Uh, but uh, sometimes it would frustrate him that I was not as strong as he was and I couldn't break bolts loose. Well, you don't want to break it loose. And he'd get on it, just twist it off and, and, and you know, I did want it, I just wasn't that strong. And then my dad has a stroke. Then a few other strokes, and then, a few, and then ultimately I preached his funeral. God is not going to have a stroke. Yeah. Amen. He's not going to have a heart attack. He's, he's not going to have a blood clot on his brain. My dad fell and hit his head, got a real bad blood clot. And he was in Tennessee living with my sister at the time, and and she called me and said, you, you, you better come. We, we don't know what the outcome of, of this brain surgery is going to be or even if he'll survive it. So I got on an airplane and I, and I flew into Chattanooga and they picked me up and took me right to the hospital. And I got to the hospital and they rolled my dad out and I see that scar on his head cut like that. They had you know pull all that off to fix that blood clot. And uh, they're rolling him into the recovery room, and, I, and the nurse let me go right in there. And the nurse leaned over and said, Mr. Osborne, this fella here from, this gentleman from Texas here says he's your son. And my dad said, he's my son, but he's no gentleman. I knew he's, I knew he's gonna be all right, all right? I was scared to death there for a little bit. But uh, he said, he's my son, but he's no gentleman. I, so I said, roll him out in the regular room. He's okay, all right? Let me tell you something. God's never going to have a blood clot, and we have to go visit him in the hospital. And then, or, or he's never going to lose an election. 
or an election's never going to be stolen from him. Amen. Amen. And I want you to understand that we need to remember the solitariness and the supremacy of God. Isaiah 45, verse number 7. Verse 6, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, there's none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Verse 12, I have made the earth and created men upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts have I commanded. Isaiah 45, please, verse 21 Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from the ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord and there is no God else beside me? A just God and a Savior. You see, folks, it'd be a terrible situation if he was just, if he was only a just God. If he was, if he was only a just God, we're doomed. We've broken his law. We've despised his word and his son. But he's a savior. And he saves us from our sin. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there's none else. Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there's none else. I am God, there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. I need to remember, we need to remember that God's going to be God. No matter what I do or what I become, God's always going to be God. So we can trust him. We can live for him. God created us. He formed us. Isaiah chapter 44, we see the vanity of religion without God. The vanity of religion without God. In Isaiah 44, verse number 9. They that make a graven image are all of them vanity. That word vanity means worthless, empty, no, 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 nothing profitable in it. All right? And that's religion without God. That's, and we're, we're I, don't, I don't know about around here, but I do know about in Arlington. There's every kind of church you want. Whatever you want, you can design your church in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. You can find whatever you want. I have a, a very good friend, been my friend since the second grade. And uh, he's one of those good old boys to do anything for, in the world for you except come to church. But he told me here a while back, he says, Chuck, I need to get me a Bible. But I don't, I don't want one of those hellfire brimstone Bibles. You know what the problem is? He'll find one. He'll find a Bible like that and he'll find a church that'll use it and teach from it and preach from it. You'll see. We need to understand God says religion without God is vain. Look in Isaiah 44, verse 25, and verse number 26. I, I, I am hurrying. Isaiah 45. We need to remember these things. Thus, verse 24, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things and stretcheth forth the heavens alone, the heavens alone, and that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars. 
and maketh diviners mad, that turneth wise men backward, and maketh their knowledge foolish, that confirmeth the word of his servant, that performeth the counsel of his messengers, that saith to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be inhabited, and to the cities of Judah ye shall be built, and I will raise up the decayed, the decayed places thereof. God's going to be God. We need to remember God and he's going to take care of his word. We are his servants. He told us in verse number one and verse number two, we are his servant. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant. The book of Colossians tells us we serve the Lord Christ. We are servants. What's the first thing you know about a servant? His service. We serve the Most High God, and God says we are His servants. He said He's going to confirm the words of His servant. We wonder sometimes about our preaching. Is anybody going to listen? We wonder about our witnessing. Is anybody going to believe? That's none of my concern. We keep preaching. We keep witnessing. God's going to confirm the words of His servants. Just so, Remember that. Uh, Isaiah tells us here in verse 21, remember these, remember these things. And then last this morning, in, in, in Isaiah 42, please, and verse number 22. Isaiah 44, verse number 22. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. You see, folks, God has blotted out our sins. Look at Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 9, 26 that God put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And the book of Colossians tells us that he took away our sins and nailed them to his cross. We used to sing an old song, you ask me why I'm happy. Here's the reason why, because my sins are gone. Amen. They're gone. Two times in Hebrews, 8, 12 and 10, 17, God says, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Amen. I was preaching one time and Thoughts just come, and I said, I said, you know, folks, you, you don't live to do it, but you might make somebody mad one of these days. And they may get so mad that they tell you to go to hell. And if they do, don't get your feelings hurt or disturbed about that. That's a great opportunity to witness. You get to tell them why that you can't go to hell. My sins are gone. He's washed us from our sins in his own blood. I love that. He wa I didn't have to clean myself up. He washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests unto God. He is, he's, uh, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Then look with me at Isaiah 44, please, and verse 21. Remember these, O Jacob, and Israel, for thou art my servant. I have formed thee. Thou art my servant. O Israel, thou shalt not be forgotten of me. Amen. 
God's not gonna forget me. I don't know about y'all, but I have a problem remembering names. Any of y'all have that? It's embarrassing when you're up in front of people and you talk to them afterwards and you met them before the service, but by the time you get done, you don't know them from Job's poor dog. You know, you can't remember them at all. That gets embarrassing. Well, God's not going to forget us. Amen. We're on, his, we're on his heart. We're on his mind. So what, what is our response to that? Verse 22, I have blotted out as a thick cloud. Remember, if you're a child of God this morning, God has blotted out and away your sins. Yesterday's sins, today's sins, tomorrow's sins, the sins of the rest of our life, are, they're gone. He's washed us from our sin. We have the privilege of being cleansed from sin. He said, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. The word of God said he's clothed us with the garments of his righteousness. You love that story, I do, of the prodigal son. And he comes home and what does God say to him? Get some old rag and cover that filthy bum up. No, God says bring out the best robe and do what with it? Hand it to him and he'll put it on. No, he's too ashamed. He won't dare put it on. He's too ashamed. The grace of God says take out that best robe and put it on him. Amen. And then God says, take the ring and put it on his finger. Amen. When God does it, it's not coming off. Amen. It's not coming off. And so we praise God for that. And so he says, sing. Verse 23. Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord hath done it. Shout, O ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. You get that? God has blotted out our sins. So what am I to do? Sing. Sing and praise God and live for his glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says what? Know you not, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are his. Remember these things. Remember the word of God. Remember the solitariness of God. Remember that he's the king. Remember his word. The, and again, the, the, the word remember there, that's a, that's a divine imperative. It, there's no option to this. Well, yeah, I really don't want it. You know, uh, and I bought that, you know, you go buy a new, do you want a sunroof? No, if I want sun, I'll get out in the yard. I'll get in the truck to get out of the sun. I don't know about y'all, but that's me anyway. And, uh, and, and I want this and that, you know. We, sometimes we get to thinking God's giving us a bunch of options. Or we want to treat God like a cafeteria line. Huh? I want some of this, I want some of this, but I don't want any of that. No, he's God. He's God. We need to remember he's the Lord. He loved us. He washed us from our sins in his own blood. Let's stand together. Come on, fellas, and, and lead us in a verse of invitation. I, I, I don't know what your need might be today, but remember, that's why they have this last song at the end of the service. Perhaps you have something you just need to pray about. And you, 
You say, well, I don't want everybody to look at me. Let me tell you something. God's looking at you. Amen. All right? And these other people that are going to be looking at you, they're looking at you in compassion because they care. They go to the altar when they need to. All right? And so we, t we Baptist churches, we, we take this moment just to forgive people an opportunity to come for help or you need to join the church, or you just need to pray. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. 
Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.